Yeah. David uh, wanted me to read his text for us this morning, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know, keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, yes, I know, keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jordan. But then he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance. And while the two of them stood by the Jordan, now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And so he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken away from you, it shall be for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continue on and talk that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? When he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Heavenly Father, we pray for Pastor David today, give him freedom of thought, freedom of speech, and God, may the words that he speak, may we receive them as words from your heart. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Bless you, Dave. Amen, amen. Hello, Creek Church. Doing good? Yes. I can tell you how excited I am to be here today. I want to thank Pastor Trevor. Uh, I have such respect and honor and admiration for your pastor. He's such a strong man of God. And I know that when you're used to greatness, you tend to forget greatness. And you have a great pastor and I love this man. And can we just honor him for 10 seconds? Can we just clap to give him some love? Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, amen. We love you, Trevor. 
Hey, you need to meet my crew. This is my family, Anthony, Zach, Leah, and Naya, and my best friend, my wife for 25 years now. Yes, we got married at five years old. Um, <laughs> my best friend, Karine, uh, on the picture, they just say hi to you. Um, today, my title is A Double Portion, and we are going to talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Did you ever felt that the anointing is for others? Uh, that it is for a small, select group of people that you are not part of? Uh, have you ever felt that uh, you never win the draw of God? Uh, personally, I never won a single draw in my whole life except one time. I was in first grade and I won, guess what? A plate full of broccoli, hallelujah. <laughs> you cannot make a six-year-old kid happy with a plate of broccoli, amen, amen. So sometimes we feel like this, like the anointing of God is for others, that the favor of God is for other people. But what is the anointing? First, this is what it's not. The anointing is not limited to a physical expression. Some people think that uh, when you got the anointing of God, you, you, you shake, you cry, you dance, and if you don't cry, shake, or dance, you don't have the anointing. But it's not limited to a physical expression. It also, uh, the anointing is not in the tone. You can have some people, some preachers that uh, speak really loud and have no anointing, but some people that speak really soft and, and like a little whisper can have an anointing that make trembles the darkness. Also, uh, anointing cannot be imitated or reproduced. A person cannot reproduce the anointing of another person. A pastor cannot reproduce the anointing of another pastor. And a church cannot reproduce the anointing of another church. And even in the same church, sometimes we got an experience with God. We got an anointing yesterday. And we try to reproduce that today. But today it's a new day. And we need a new and fresh anointing for today. Also, anointing cannot be bought with money, efforts, or anything. In Acts chapter 8, Simon the magician saw the anointing of Peter and John, and he asked them for, he, I want to pay you to have that. And Peter rebuked him because you cannot merit the anointing of God. And also I would add this, the anointing is not given for ourselves. Uh, God will not give you anointing to entertain yourself, to make you feel good. God will not give you anointing to make you popular or to feed your own ego. No, no. Your anointing is not for yourself. So what is the anointing of God? Here's the definition. The anointing is a supernatural favor given by God to allow someone to accomplish a service for God at a level of efficiency that he or she would not be able to attain without it. Now, in the Old Testament, the anointing was not for everybody. You needed to be a priest, a king, or a prophet to have the anointing of God. It doesn't matter how spiritual you were. It doesn't matter how you loved God. It doesn't matter how you prayed. If you were not a king, a priest, or a prophet, you cannot have the anointing of God. That's Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, 
Paul teach us that we are called to reign with Christ. Peter teach us that we are a kingdom of priests. And Dr. Luke in the book of Acts, his whole point is that we are a community of prophets. So in the New Testament, all believers have the anointing of God because all believers have the Holy Spirit. Can I say amen? Can I hear amen? We all have this anointing. That's good news for us. Now, you need to know that. All believers have the anointing. But it's not all believers that got a double portion. Let me phrase it again in a New Testament way. All believers have the Holy Spirit, but not all believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a double portion for you. How to have a double portion? Elisha wanted this double portion. Elisha was the servant, the disciple of the prophet Elijah. And Elijah was powerful. He performed seven miracles. And Elisha had in his heart this desire to have a double portion of the spirit of his master. How can we have a double portion based on this text? Point number one. Double portion is for those that move forward. The text is clear. Elisha followed Elijah. They went from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho to the Jordan. If Elisha had stopped going forward, he would not have seen Elijah ascended to heaven and he would never receive a double portion. Let me tell you this. The anointing of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is for those who are going forward. Because the Holy Spirit is always moving. In the Bible, the first mention of the Holy Spirit is in Genesis chapter 1 with the creation story. And what that said, look at Genesis 1. It says at the end of verse 2 that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. First mention of the Holy Spirit in the whole Bible, the Holy Spirit is moving. Let me tell you, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you want to have a double portion of the anointing of God on your life, you need constantly to go forward because God is moving. Amen? God is going forward. The anointing of God is like gasoline in a car, okay? What is the point to put gas in a Ferrari if you're going nowhere? Why God would give you a double portion if you're not going forward? Why God give you a double portion if you're doing nothing? To sit on the couch? To watch Netflix? To procrastinate, to talk about the things you're called to do, your project, your dreams, your stuff, and never doing nothing to walk in them? The anointing, the favor, the double portion, being filled with the Spirit is for those who are going forward. Are you going forward this morning? Or have you stopped? Sometimes 
We stop because we feel opposition. Because when you decide to go forward, let me tell you, you will feel some opposition. You will feel external opposition. When we started our church, just before we started the church, I cannot tell you all the things that happened to stop us to plan this church. It was crazy. I remember once I was at the preaching conference and the whole point of the whole conference was that today people don't need preaching. They don't need preachers. The only thing we have to do in those days is the, we gather people in circles and I believe in small groups, but they, they, the point was you just put people together in circles and they teach themselves one and themselves. And I was like, no, no, God saved people. God changed life through the power of the preaching of the gospel. And I was like, no, and I was fighting and fighting. I remember once I was looking for a place to meet as a church, to launch the church, and we were looking for a 400 seats uh, auditorium. And uh, I, I was looking and I, I, I didn't find anything. So I met with a Christian leader and she was supposed to help me to find a place. And she said, okay, young man, how many seats are you looking for? And I said, 400. She said, why? I said, because we need 400 seats. And she said, why? I said, because we prayed and God told us we need 400 seats. And she said, young man, did you know that the average church in Montreal is 42 people? You don't need 400 seats. I said, ma'am, we need 400 seats. Can you help me? She said, no. I said, okay, thank you. I cannot tell you the things that happened. I have a list that long. I got stories that would freak you out of all the things that happened to stop us plan this church. When you want to go forward, there will be external opposition. But here's this. When you want to go forward, the biggest pressure, the biggest opposition will not come from the outside. It will come from the inside. Fear, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of making sacrifices, fear of being different, fear of not being understood because you're doing something that people don't understand. When you decide to go forward, there will be opposition. Expect it. It is normal. It is that way. But because we think it is not normal, this is the reason why so many people, despite, they don't go forward, they do the opposite. They choose the path of least resistance. Let me tell you this. What God called you to do, the path of the double portion, the path of being filled with the Holy Spirit will never Never, never be the path of least resistance. In fact, when we choose that path, something in our soul die. Because we know we're not living at the level of our calling. We're not living at the level of our vocation. Don't go in the path of least resistance. Don't settle for small goals. Sometimes our goals are so small, we don't even need God to do them. Sometimes we pray so small. Sometimes we're just satisfied with a small portion. 
The goal of many Christians is to have a wonderful life, wonderful job, wonderful family, getting saved, have a great retirement, uh, and, and die old in my, in, in, during the night without suffering and go to heaven. That, that's the typical Christian uh, uh, objective in, in life. Let me tell you, we are called to more than that. You need to go forward. You need to press on. Have you stopped going forward? We can have stopped and being the only one that knows. Because you can be so good at something. You can be so good at your job. Nobody knows you stopped going forward. You can be so good in your ministry. If you're on church staff or you can be so good at it that nobody knows but you stop going forward. You can be so good at parenting or in your marriage as a spouse that you stop going forward and nobody knows. Nobody except you and God. But the moment we stop going forward, the moment the double portion stop in our lives. We are called to go forward. Don't be more concerned with your comfort than following the master. Don't choose to coast in your work, in your spiritual life, in your ministry, in your prayer life. Don't, don't coast. You have to go forward. Can I hear a man? Second point. Double portion is for those who ask for it. Elisha asked, and he asked for something difficult. Are you asking? Are you asking God for double portion? Are you asking God daily to be filled with the Holy Spirit? To walk on the hard path. Jesus said this in Luke 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gift to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you want a double portion, you need to ask. I don't think Jesus was talking only about a new birth here to ask the Holy Spirit to getting saved. No, I think he was talking about more than that, that you need to ask on a consistent basis. Okay, you got the Holy Spirit, you got saved 5, 10, 20 years ago, but today you need to ask for the Holy Spirit to be filled with him. So ask. Are you asking? Are you asking for carnal things? Things for yourself? Things to flash around? Things to impress people? Things for being popular? Are you asking for things that are so small that you don't even need God to do them? Don't ask God things you can do yourself. Don't ask God things you can ask your parents for. Don't ask God things you can ask the bank for. Don't ask God things you can ask Google for, but ask big things to God. Ask things like that your brother will stop doing crack. Ask for that your cousin will stop prostitute herself. Ask for your anti-Christian neighbor to come to church. 
Ask for your whole family to be saved, not just your grandma. Can I hear amen? Ask for your marriage to be restored. Don't settle for the ordinary when you can have the double portion. Don't be one of those believers who are satisfied just being saved. I got the Holy Spirit. I'm saved. Okay, amen. You're not called to be saved only. You are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And to walk in that path that is hard, but to receive this double portion on a daily basis. To see great things and to make great things for God. Ask for that portion. Ask for that double portion. Don't be satisfied with just a simple, simple portion. And don't be like many believers who don't seek, seek the anointing of God. You know what they do? They kind of run on others' anointing. They're not looking for anointing for themselves. They are running on the gas of other people. We see that in this text, 2 Kings chapter 13. We're going to read a short but really weird story. We read that, 14. Elisha had come sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Remember those words? Same words we heard in the previous story. Okay, 15. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hands on the king's hand. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. And Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria for, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrow. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you have destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Weird story. Elisha is at the end of his life. So King Joash, the king of Israel, come to him. And you need to know that King Joash is a bad king. He's not following the Lord, okay? But he knows this, that without the anointing of Elisha, the people of Israel are in danger to be defeated by their enemy. So he came to Elisha and says, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Remember those words. This is the exact words that Elisha said to Elijah when he was ascended to heaven. So what's happening here? Here's my idea. I think that King Joash is saying to Elisha, I want your anointing. I want your favor. I heard the story that you got the anointing of Elijah and now that you're going to pass away. 
I want this anointing for me. You had double portion. Maybe I can have fourth, six times more than you have. Joash thought that he could thrive on the anointing of somebody else. We see that in scriptures. We see that with King Saul. In 1 Samuel 10, King Saul is anointed and the Spirit of God come on him and he's changed in a new man. Chapter 16, he disobeyed God many times and the Spirit of God left him and he become evil. But in chapter 19, we see something so weird. We see King Saul begin to prophesy. How do you explain that? How he can have lost the anointing and prophesied three chapters later. Let me tell you why. Because he was not prophesying under his anointing. He was prophesying because he came close to a group of prophets and their anointing splashed on him. Let me tell you, it is possible in this life to do great things for God with others' anointing. Jesus said that in the last days, some people will say, hey, we did miracles in your name. We prophesied in your name. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. How do you explain that? You can do great things for God with the anointing of others. But Joash understood that day that he could not have the anointing of another person. You said, but there's a problem in your whole point, David. You see it as a problem that Joash wanted to have the anointing of Elisha, but you don't see it as a problem that Elisha wanted to have the anointing of Elijah. So what is the difference? Here's the difference. I think that Joash wanted the blessing, but Elisha wanted the blesser. Joash wanted the power, but he didn't want it, the proximity with the master. Many people say, God, give me favor. Give me anointing for this. I want to do this, this, this. But they don't want to be close with the master. They don't, they don't treasure the relationship. They just want to have the power. But let me tell you, the power is for those who have the relationship. To be filled with the Spirit, we need to have this relationship with Jesus. And from that relationship will flow power so that we will be filled with the Spirit to have the anointing and a double portion to walk in this world. So are you going forward? Are you asking? Are you asking for a double portion? Here's my third and last point. The double portion is for those who don't quit. In the text we read, the king said, bring me a bow and arrows. So they brought to the king a bow and arrows. Somebody's pretty nervous right now. Don't worry, nobody will get hurt, okay? So the prophet said to the king, you need to bend the bow, open the window, and shoot to the east. So Joash just asked, I want you anointing. And the prophet said, okay, take the bow and shoot. And he shot, boom, 
And the prophet said, good, you will beat the, uh, the Am you will beat Amalek at Aphek and you will destroy them. And I can imagine Joash feeling good. Oh yeah, I asked for the anointing. Maybe I will have it. Maybe even if this guy's dead, this favor is gonna be on me. I can imagine feeling good about that. But then the prophet said, okay, now you take the arrows. And he said, strike to the ground. So the King Joash, he strikes one time, two times. Three times. And he got up and felt good about himself and thought that he would have a similar answer to the first time. But then the prophet became angry at him. And he said, why you did that? Why you struck three times? You should have struck five or six times. Now you will not defeat your enemy. This is weird, right? I don't know if you're like me, but when I read this text, I'm like, hey, God, this is unfair. The prophet didn't tell him how many times he should strike. He just tell him to strike. So the guy did three times. If you told him to strike five or six times, maybe he would strike five or six times, but you didn't tell him. It seems unfair. But what's the whole point here? The fact that Joash strike only three times was just a demonstration, a symptom of his lack of desire to have the full measure of God, of, of what God has for him. So here's the point. Here's the point with that. When God asks you to do something, you strike and strike and strike and strike and strike and strike you don't stop striking if god didn't said stop you don't stop you continue to strike if we live in a world that people lack perseverance we live in a world that people lack endurance and god said you're gonna do this thing and people just strike okay oh god said to somebody hey i want you to tie to this church and you're like all right, Jesus, I'll do it. And they're done. God says, I want you to be in small group. You said, all right, Jesus. And you go for three weeks and you're like, thank you, Jesus. No, God told you to do something. You need to continue to do it till God said, stop. Some of you, you think you need to stop something and God didn't said stop. You need to strike and strike and strike and strike god gave you a job strike god gave you a ministry strike you strike 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 god gave you a company a business that he asked you to launch you strike 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 god gave you a husband you you know what i mean okay you strike 
You just strike, strike, strike. When God told you to do something, you don't stop. So some of you, you're fighting with some anxiety right now and, and you're striking just a bit. You need to strike more. Strike and strike and strike and strike. Some of you are fighting with some addictions. You need to strike. I know you, 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 you fall apart, you, you, you stumble, but you need to come up. You need to put yourself up because it is not done. The grace of God still there to restore you, to, to strengthen you, and you need to get up and strike and strike and strike. Don't give up. Don't settle for less than what God has for you. Some of you, you're here, and God hadn't stopped, didn't tell you to stop, and you, you just stop. Can you imagine how in our church, two years of COVID, we were shut down two years. Two years, only church online, okay? You folks online, I love you, but I hate church online, okay? That's not my thing, okay? I love to be in big old church, in the old church building. I love to be with you because I need your anointing and you need mine. And when your anointing is with my anointing, you splash on me, I splash on you, and something's happening by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, we need to strike again. Strike in prayer, strike in perseverance. We need to show up. In our church, we got a culture statement that we said, impossible is not in our dictionary, amen. You know what I did? I took the dictionary, and literally, I took a cutter and I cut the word impossible, hallelujah. And I didn't know that, but when I cut the word impossible from the dictionary, on the side there was another word. Did you know that in French, the word taxes begin with an I. So when I remove impossible from the dictionary, I also removed the word taxes from the dictionary. I was like, God, are you speaking to me right now? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Impossible is not in our dictionary because everything is possible to God. So my friend, you need to get up. You need to get up and strike, 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 strike. You strike. Some of you are tired. You say, I cannot strike. I've been doing this for 15 years and, and I'm, so, I'm so tired. And it's not new as it was before. It's not stimulating as it was before. And you're just on the ground and you don't have this energy to strike. Let me tell you, no matter where you are, if you're on the ground, you strike. If you don't have energy, you crawl. You crawl, you crawl, man. And if you need a coffee, you take one. And if you need a second coffee, you take another one. Because you know that when you know you will never quit, you can have the luxury to want it to quit. Because you know you will not. You will not quit. So don't quit. Don't quit. I'm screaming at you today. You will not quit this till God said stops. And if he don't said stops, you will strike, strike, strike till your last breath or till Jesus come. Can we clap for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Amen. Amen. Can we stand up together, brothers? Come on. 
Come on. And here's what I want you to do. I want us to applaud and cry and shout for Jesus because he is the one give us strength to continue to strike. Can we clap for him right now? Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we raise our hands to the sky, to God? Come on, raise your hands with me. If you're new here, don't feel pressure. If you're not comfortable, don't feel pressure for that. But if you are a believer, can we just lift up our hands and I want to pray for you because I think this moment is important. I think so many people had stopped striking. And today, God is telling you. God is here in this place. The Holy Spirit is here to strengthen you. The Holy Spirit is here to give you a double portion. So can we be as child that ask, we ask the Holy Spirit. Can we ask the Holy Spirit? Can you just for a couple seconds, can, you, can we open our mouth and say, Holy Spirit, I need you right now. Come on, where you are, open your mouth and begin to ask for a double portion. You need more than what you have. Your challenges are too big to have just a simple portion. Being saved is not enough. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So now I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, fill me. Some of you here have stopped going forward and maybe nobody noticed it. But today you're like, God, I'm back in the game. I will not settle for the small. I will believe and pursue the big. So some of you tonight, to this morning, you say to God, I'm going back into the game. I am going forward again. And some of you that wanted to quit, I want to tell you this, you are going to keep praying. You are going to keep pushing. You will not quit. You will not stop. And somebody here needs to hear this. Some battles, you may not see them won in your lifetime, but God hears every prayer. And maybe it's after you're gone, but God will answer that. So you need to fight. Don't walk by sight, walk by faith and begin to strike again in Jesus' name. I pray for you, I pray for me, for this church, for the staff, for the pastors. God, give us a double portion in Jesus' name. And can we clap one more time for Jesus? Come on, come on. Hallelujah. Hey, we're gonna sing. You are here, miracle maker. And as we sing that, get in the game again and say, Lord, I will not.